This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get hefty, ultra-strong with new Fabuloso lemon scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Recorded live. Welcome to the Colton Collective Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dave AC and the Sixth Doctor. everybody and welcome to the Colton Collective Podcast. Yes, it's the day after Doctor Who Day and uh, we're all here. The gang is assembled and uh, the leader of the gang, the leader of the pack, well, he likes to think he is anyway. It's Mr. Dave AC. Hello, Dave. I am in. Yes, I'm, I'm in the pink today, but I believe you're feeling blue. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'm, I'm a little bit blue over my AC. <laughs> Because it's left me red hot. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw you shed a tear at the beginning of the show. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's because I noticed how many people are on audio. It's so nice to see. It was a tear of joy. All right. And let's see who is on audio. Joining us, Mr. Randall Thor. Hello, Mike. Hello. We meet again, Doctor. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Blast from the past. Wrong enemy. Caught with your... Damn, I forgot the name of that thing. Never mind. <laughs> oh, the thing they make the Dalek noise with. Come on. Somebody help me out. Ring modulator? Yeah, caught with your ring modulator down. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Ooh Actually, uh, the, 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 the young gentleman who's responsible for creating our new opening theme, isn't it snazzy? Um... Uh, recently acquired a ring modulator and, and did some some nice Dalek voices. You can hear it on his Volgun channel on on YouTube. Um, he said, "I got myself a ring modulator and and you know I had to try it out using, doing a Dalek voice." I said, "Isn't that in the instructions? Unpack ring modulator, do Dalek voice." <laughs> <laughs> I, think that, I think that's in the book. <laughs> All right. Also joining us on audio, Rick Wall is here. Hello, sir. Hello, hello. Glad you could make it. Glad I could be here. Okay, and going down to the phones. Yes, we've got a lot on the phones today. Joining us is Mr. Cuddly Ken. Hello, Ken. Hi, Ian. Hi, Dave. I think I'm a good man today. I think so. <laughs> I really think so. I may I may a good man or a bad man. <laughs> At least Glinda, the good witch of the Daleks. <laughs> oh dear it's all going off now <laughs> also also joining us as you heard Kobo is here hello Kobo hey and hey Dave how are y'all good good good, good. a little warm but good <laughs> better be warm than cold I guess 
All right, also joining us on audio, Willis Gerlitzia. <laughs> she just dropped off the... Oh, what effects. I don't think she's going to the do after school with you tonight after that. <laughs> oh, no, oh, no, did they drop off? Oh, she's there. Yeah, she's right there. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what? What do you have against soldiers? No, we just... Our podcasters. <laughs> <laughs> We we just lost Jason, I think. Ah. I think we might have lost power. Hmm. Hello, Welcome. Willis girl. <laughs> oh, hi. Hello, Willis Oh, my goodness. Hi. Hi, everybody. I hope everybody's doing well this Sunday. Yep, we're doing just peachy. Actually, my peachy That's is gone. That's great so just, <laughs> just a little bit less than peachy. <laughs> All right. That's all we have on audio for the moment. We're hoping uh, that uh, Jason will uh, come back in and join us. There may be a few others, but uh, we'll announce them as they arrive. The late arrivals at the podcast, yes. But let's see who's under the cone. Control, new agent training program, section 3.5, the cone of silence. To activate, simply lower the cone and speak clearly. What? Do not overuse the cone of silence. What? Do not shout in the cone of silence. What? In fact, don't even use the cone of silence. What? It's never worked right. I don't know why we bought it in the first place. The portable cone of silence. What? What? And I'm um, assuming they're, they're Dalek duplicates, but uh, we've got some some odd names in the in, in the list. <clears throat> but joining them are Jim and Kathleen. Cybop is here, of course, holding the fort down. Guest 9 has joined us, and the real doctor. And uh, the real doctor asks, are we allowed to mention aspects of the episode here? Um, yeah, anything that happened in the episode? Uh, yes, once we get going, spoilers are allowed. Uh, please don't mention anything that might uh, be alluded to in some of the following leaked episodes um, or anything from the next time trailer. Some people are a little sensitive about that stuff, and we try to try to do our best to keep uh, spoilers out. Alrighty, excellent. Um, yeah, um, we do have some very, 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 very brief news. Is, is basically that um, uh, Stephen Moffat and Sherlock uh, did brilliantly in the Emmy Awards. Um, uh, give me a hand here, Mike. Uh, it was a, his last. It was his last vow. The the final episode of the series, uh, and it got three awards for that for both the uh, the two leading actors and for Stephen for his writing. So right. it, it got a, a really good uh, swept the board in some ways. It was, it was best writing in a, in a miniseries, right? It was a miniseries type of work. Yes, writing in a miniseries, uh, lead actor, and supporting actor. Yeah. Fabulous. So yeah, nice to see uh, Sherlock uh, clean up. And, Unfortunately, and, um, Black didn't clean up as well as we thought. But <laughs> there was there was such a kindness and attitude from Stephen Moffat praising Normal Heart, which a lot of the pundits and viewers thought would uh, you know sweep the awards. He said, "I hope they don't hate us uh, over there for winning these awards." He was very contrite and kind. Uh, and uh, humbled in uh, winning all the awards at the Emmys. Excellent. Um, so, well, um, well, it was just, I was going to say, since we are just doing a little brief news, just we ought to at least mention the passing of uh, Bill Kerr, who um, 
died age 92. I remember him from being on Tony Hancock's radio shows, but uh, of course uh, he was in uh, Enemy of the World, uh, one of those episodes that we, we talked about only recently on uh, on Dutch Podshot. Uh, played Giles Kent in the 1967-story Enemy of the World um, from Australia. One of the few actors that came to the UK and kept his Australian accent um, and he's in lots of things, Dan Busters, Wrong Arm of the Law, uh, Citizen James, Compact, it's not green, Adam, Adamant Lives. Um, he was mainly a comedian, most people thought of, but actually he was a very good uh, dramatic actor as well. Never the leading man, but always in the sporting roles. Right. And uh, it must have been fabulous for him for that, for that episode to have been, you know, found, you know, before his death for you know body of work like that to come back that, that must be nice for him you know to see that yeah. covered all right Absolutely. so um yeah we gave the monkey the the the, the week off so <laughs> that about wraps it up for news if you'd like to become part of the Colton Collective, <laughs> Collective if you're just joining us on audio for the first time I mean on uh in the text chat for the first time here's you can join us on audio and trip over your tongue just like me if you enjoy listening, why not join the collective and participate yourself? We're on TalkShoe. Call ID 54821. Call in on 724-444-7444. This is a US number, area code 724, so do check your calling plan before dialing in. If you have a SIP client, you can call in for free on 66.212.134.192. Or you can connect in directly via the shoe phone client if you have TalkShoe Live installed. Looking forward to hearing you. Hi, I'm Rabbit from Steam Powered Giraffe. And I'm the Spine from Steam Powered Giraffe. And you're listening to the Cultum Collective. Enjoy! Because it's been about two weeks since I invoked Steam Powered Giraffe on this show. <laughs> anyway. It's down to business. Um, unfortunately, uh, Jason won't be able to join us. Um, they're having a lot of uh, problems from a, a storm in their area, and he doesn't think he'll be able to join us in the review today. If you can, hang around in, in text chat, though, and throw on the occasional comment there, Jason. Um, we'll try our best to catch that and, and bring it up uh, when we have a chance. Um, and also at the end, um, if you can bring up... Uh, um, if you want to bring up uh, your rating for it before the end, then uh, we'll make sure everybody hears that as well. All right. Okay, um, I think Mike will handle that question in the text chat. Sorry. Distracted. <laughs> Me? No, never. All right. It's time yeah. to get down to the, the nitty-gritty and talk about this week's episode of Doctor Who Into the Dalek. And, of course, as always, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, there are spoilers ahead if you've not seen this. So, here we go. Dave, opening clip, please. Oh, here we go. You'll probably feel a bit sick. Please, don't be. Where's my brother? Hello, I'm the doctor. He was right beside me. Where's Kai? How did I get here? I materialized the time capsule exactly around you and saved your life one second before your ship exploded. But do please keep crying. My brother just died. 
His sister didn't. You're very welcome. Put the gun down. For what? Oh, you might shoot me. Then where will you be? In charge of your vessel. You'd stop death. Trying to find the light switch. Who are you? I'm Lieutenant Journey Blue of the Combined Galactic Resistance. I demand you take me back to my command ship, the Aristotle, which is currently located... No. Hey, not like that. You will take me back to my command ship, which is currently positioned... No, no, come on. Not like that. Not like that. Get it right. Will you take me back to my ship? The Aristotle's the big fella. Parked in the asteroid belt, yeah? He's shielded. More or less. There you go. That sets us off, real, yes. Real, real, I'm going to say real, first, real quick first. Brilliant opening. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, down to from the Dalek battle to to, to no 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 get it right. Okay, yeah, great great opening dialogue from from a new Doctor. But anyway. Okay, now um, now we've played that first clip. Um, we, we've hmm. got to backtrack a little bit, Ian, because um, yeah, he did say something to Kobo. <laughs> yes, uh, Kobo was not with us last week. Um, you did not feel very oh. well. So we're going to give Kobo the chance to uh, mm. give us his thoughts on deep breath before we get stuck into the Dalek. Ha, see what I did there? <laughs> stuck into the Yeah. Never mind. It sounded better in my head. <clears throat> All right, Kobo, you have the floor. And the um, Take it away. I thought this was probably the best first Doctor story I've ever seen. Classic or modern. Because I mean, first of the new Doctor, I mean, you know what I mean. Um, and as for him, as for them playing on the age thing and him having some sort of Alzheimer's I disagree with that. Um, as we all know, regeneration plays with the neurons in mysterious ways. And Peter Capaldi's doctor is not the only doctor who lost consciousness. Um, Peter Davidson spent most of the first episode in either Zero Cabinet, passed out in the wheelchair, or the Zero Room. So, I can see a lot of parallels to previous Doctors. And what I loved about the show is it didn't treat the fan to a mini Doctor Who 101 seminar as many, many first episodes do these days. While I love the 11th hour, it felt very much like a Doctor Who primer. Um, as for the story itself, it was absolutely brilliant. 
having the dinosaur vomit of the tortoise and I actually shed a tear when the T-Rex got firebombed. And I'm really beginning to wonder, is there a language that the doctor does not speak? Because he speaks dinosaur. <laughs> well, some of my American friends thought he doesn't speak English. <laughs> Sorry. Go on. He speaks dinosaur. He speaks baby. I mean... He speaks horse. Okay. Yeah, so... I don't think there's a language the doctor doesn't speak. And... I love the callback to girls in the fireplace. Absolutely loved it. I love the ambiguity in the final sequence of did the robot jump or was he pushed? And this is kind of a tie-in to today's episode and this will be one of our last points. But I'm were the calculations he was doing on the floor of the bedroom and the calculations on the chalkboard and the TARDIS the same? Um, there was, there, there was, I think there was a bit of Gallifreyan in there, wasn't there? Gallifreyan maths. Yeah, but he could have been doing Gallifreyan on the floor as well, couldn't he? Well, it was on the, the floor and on the walls and all over the place. That's what I'm saying. I wonder if that equation will play a larger part in things to come. My my assumption in the episode was that he was uh, calculating, like what it would take to get the uh, the T Rex back in, you know, back to her her uh, her own time. Because he started making the calculations after he, you know, after he woke up and then went out to, to talk to the dinosaur and said that he was going to be, you know, taking her back. So that was my assumption. That's what he was calculating. And he isn't kind of a do-it-in-his-head kind of guy. He's a, you know, do it on his, do it on a chalkboard. And I love that um, all the doctors do something quirky right as they regenerate um and i loved the scene with clara and strax and her getting in the head with the newspaper and none of them um I agree with most of Ronnie that the story had pacing problems. But a lot of the filler didn't feel like filler to me. Even though they had that extra 90 minutes to fill. Or however long it was. Extra. 
I thought the scene in the cafe was quite good. And how he figured out they were androids was... Or automatons or whatever you want to call them. I think that was quite good. He didn't have any any issue with the pacing, which was one of the things I had uh, on first watching. That's what I said. No, he didn't have any problem with it, he said, uh, Dave. That's yeah, I know I he said it. I, I know he said that there's time for all those scenes, but you didn't think it affected the pacing, though. It had pacing problems, but I also said a lot of the filler didn't feel like filler. I mean, it did take away from a little bit of the drama, but I like extra scenes like that. In a way, they kind of make the story. They do take you out of the action for a second, but the devil is in the details. Okay. I think I think yeah. the detail doing the, that the details took you out of the dark aspect of what was in the episode. If you really think about it, it's it's so gross. So you're involved in the wit of the doctor and Clara and getting out of the situation, you're you're forgetting that it's harvesting flesh and a balloon of skin and grand guignol all over the place. You know, um, I mean, the, the stuff of Penny Dreadfuls. Uh, <laughs> but they, they they lighten the tone with the banter, which, which I think uh, that's necessary, because if you don't have that, you're going to go, I'm going to cover my eyes, I'm going to turn the channel. Because it is kind of a spooky kind of initial send-off for a doctor having, you know, really, it's it's pretty dark, the whole harvesting uh, thing. But they cover it up because you just think, oh, they're, they're kind of cute robot people. I don't think this episode is darker than, say, the Deadly Assassin from Tom Baker's era. I really... Don't feel. Yeah, you know, but I'm saying the, the trappings of, you know, you're you're going to die and be harvested. That that whole that whole thing, not the concepts, but just the basic, you know, trappings of it. It's it's a horror story, you know, it's a Victorian horror story. You think about it, yeah. and it. And Ian said something to the effect that he didn't like the. Android being shoved from the top of the tower, and he had to talk Callum um, around that. But I think, um, in a way, that scene made the story, and it wouldn't have been as powerful without that scene. And I think most parents are going to be as clever as you are and say, Oh, look at the funny man. Yeah. I just don't okay. think it was um, really that necessary. But um, yeah, sorry, sorry, Dave. Go ahead. I was going to say um, I don't want to cut you too short, Cobo, because um, we did give you an opportunity, and and, we're, and now Jeff's here as well, so we want to give him opportunity. But we do have a little bit of time pressure with the main topic of this week's show. So uh, can you sort of just give a little summation uh, on deep breath? Because I'm sure there are people. You know, really wanting to get on and talk about uh, this week's story. I'll just give my score now, and um, I'll give a four point five 
I mean, yeah, 4.5 out of 5. Because as I, as I acknowledged earlier, it does have pacing problems. But a lot of those pacing problems were distracting from the darker elements of the story. So I can't knock a full point off to that. Okay. Right. right. Jeff, um, we we want to give you a, a chance to talk about Deep Breath. Not too overly long, if you wouldn't mind, but um, yeah, before be we brief. get into the topic. Thank you. I had major problems with the length of the episode. I don't know if it's the pacing so much. It's it's the length of it. Uh, for the amount of story they've got, it, it could have been done in a 55, maybe 60-minute episode. Adding that extra 15 minutes on, I, I think they did that just for the theatrical release of this. They didn't want people just to go into the theater for um, maybe a slightly longer than average episode. So they added all this extra stuff on it, and it just weighted the whole episode down. Uh, I was looking at my watch. I don't wear a watch, but uh, <laughs> looking at the clock about halfway through going, really, are we still only about halfway through the episode? We should be getting close to the end. Uh, it just dragged. And I, again, I, I think they did that for the theatrical release. Um, we have a much darker doctor here. I, I almost get a vibe, uh, especially when um, he and Clara are trying to escape uh, through the door, and suddenly the door closes between the doctor and Clara, and the doctor doesn't do anything to really try to get her out of there. I almost get a seventh doctor vibe there that he's placing his pieces on his chessboard right where he wants them so he can win. I, I get, just get that vibe from from uh, Capaldi here. Um, adding to the, uh, the, the slowness of the episode is the scene with Clara trying to step her way out very slowly, trying not to breathe. That kind of dragged, too. It just added to the slowness of everything. It was just too slow. Um, I like that we have the clockwork uh, androids coming back. Uh, we have a new twist on them here where they, um, th they're not just trying to repair a ship, but they're trying to survive. Um, I think that was a little bit different than the prior episode, The Girl in the Fireplace. And that episode was um, kind of gothic and uh, a horror episode as well, but there was a lot of lighter pieces in that episode uh, that I think differentiate from this one. This one was much darker, much... Uh, What's wrong? Did you get the towel off there? Uh, can you mute, Ian? What's the matter? Whoa, I didn't know what <laughs> I was referring to, but okay. Um, but but yeah, I, just too long. I, I'm not sure about this doctor yet. Um, I, I think this the second episode, uh, which we'll talk about in a little bit, helps his character a bit. Uh, but this this first one, he was just way too quirky and too dark, and uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure about him yet. Um, Clara, I think, was very strong in this episode. Uh, maybe her best episode ever in her short tenure on the show. Um, I think she was brilliantly written for this story. I uh, enjoyed 
how she acted in this story, although I've, I've enjoyed her acting all the way through. Um, I, I, I thought there was too much of the, uh, oh, we're married between uh, Jenny and, and Vastra. How many times did we hear that? I don't know, but it was too many. We, we got the idea after the first or second <laughs> time. Uh, just get on with the story. That, that just added to the story. Um, that Enough for Dave and I to get drunk on the commentary. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I, I listened uh, to part of the commentary. Game, yeah. I listened to the part of the commentary. Yeah, I haven't finished it, but uh, yeah, I heard that, Ian. <laughs> um, what else? Um, I love the scene, and Kobo just alluded to it, with Strax throwing the newspaper. I, I thought that was the most brilliant comedy section of, of the of the whole story. Uh, it was just very, very well done and funny. Um, not sure. I, I, I like the scene between Vastra and Clara where Vastra is uh, testing her and, and Clara's reaction, getting angry with Vastra, how dare you type of thing. That was well done. A very good scene between the two. Uh, and I loved how Jenny just clapped at the end of that. That was just that was great. That was great. But uh, uh, let me wrap up here. The length of it just drags it down. I'm going to probably give it a two and two point five, a two and a half rating out of five. Okay. Thank you, Jeff. Um, and apologies for those people who've tuned in for the recording. So we we are going now back to uh, into the Dalek. So, but I'll play another clip, and then we'll go to Rick Wall, and then I'll be following Mike, and then Willis Girl who weren't, didn't go first last week. But uh, here's another clip, and then we'll go to Rick Wall. I'm terrified. Of what? The answer to my next question. This must be honest, cold, and considered without kindness or restraint. Clara, be my pal. Tell me. My good man. Deactivated, so we tried to disassemble it. You didn't realize there was a living creature inside. Not it started screaming. Help me! Why would I do that? Why would any living creature help you? Daleks will die! Die all you like. No, my problem. Daleks must be destroyed! Daleks must be de What did you just say? And there we go. Uh, Rick Wall. All right. Um, I like uh, the hearkening back to Dalek. Um, I'm wondering, though, 
Have they forgotten about the so-called humanized Daleks and the Daleks that were created in um, um, Daleks uh, Take Manhattan, uh, where part of them turned out to be the doctor? Um, But anyway, um, I liked it. Uh, again, uh, the pacing picked up maybe a little too quick because uh, I had to watch it twice because there were a couple of things I blinked and missed, literally. Uh, but, um, you know, and I like that they're, you know, that that you still see the darkness in the doctor and that he is getting a little darker. Uh, I thought with uh, Smith, he was getting a little too jokey um, and, and, and slapstick and stuff. Although I do appreciate um, um, Matt's um, honoring um, um, Chaplin, but uh, still I thought it was getting a little too much. Um, but uh, I, I I liked it. Uh, I thought Clara did a nice job. I don't know about the new guy yet. Um, 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 Sergeant Pink, is it? If we, uh, Danny, I believe, is his first name. Uh, yeah, the, the, the new teacher at the school. Thank yeah. You. yeah. Um, don't know that much, you know, about him uh, or whether I like him or not yet. Uh, I'm beginning to like the doctor. I want to see a little more before I definitely make a decision. But um, um, to me, he's the kind of actor that you give him meat and he takes off with it. And uh, They certainly gave him a lot of uh, meat, in my opinion, with the script. Uh, were there holes in it? Yeah, a few. Like I said, did they forget about the uh, in the classic um, 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 who about the quote unquote humanized uh, Daleks and uh, and um, you know the the Daleks that were influenced by him or however you want to put it from uh, when they took to Manhattan. To that point, like I was saying, the Daleks generated from the Daleks taking Manhattan were all destroyed. That's true. That's true. But I don't think any of the humanized, um, um, or all the humanized Daleks in the original um, um, series were destroyed. I don't remember. Well, uh, you can explain back. that. You, you can explain that one with the time war. True. Um, but um, I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I'm not sure actually um, uh, if the um, MacGuffin worked or not. You know, um, uh, like, like. Um, uh, Mike said uh, before, in the script uh, that was leaked, uh, um, Rusty did something uh, completely different that changed the whole ending 
And um, uh, I, I like the way they did it in the episode better, to be honest with you. Uh, I like open endings uh, sometimes, especially in an open-ended series. That way, you know, if you want to bring the character, you know, if you want to bring Rusty back, you can. In the original script, you couldn't. Uh, so I, I kind of like that idea. And then, to be honest with you, I would like to see another episode maybe with Rusty. Uh, my rating? Oh, I'll give it a four out of five. Okay, that's good. Um, we said we go to Mike uh, and then Willis go, but we want to welcome Darth into the room. Darth, we 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 spent some time on um, deep breath before, so if we can, we'll wait until you have your turn, and maybe you can do a preamble uh, on on deep breath before talking about this episode. So, hope that's okay. But we, we we're trying to get into a little bit of a flow here. So, uh, Mike, would you like to go next, please? Sure. Well, of course, as for all these first five episodes, uh, these are episodes that I've read the scripts for and seen seen the, the leaks. And uh, just to go ahead and answer, answer the question of what exactly happened in the in the pre-screener version that was removed, it, as soon as the, the credits hit, I noticed, wait, there's something missing here. There's something that happened. At, right at the, at the end of the episode, after the Doctor and Clara leave in the TARDIS, we, we quickly see over at the Dalek saucer, the Dalek ship, We there's a, there's a transporter and a, a sound, and the Rusty has beamed over to the Dalek ship where he self-destructs he suicide bombs the dalek ship and takes them all out we see that happen in the pre-screener but that was all edited out of the transmitted version so as far as the the official transmitted version is concerned that didn't happen so the ending with rusty is left ambiguous there you go that's what happened and i posted some uh Screenshot here, and Guest Nine has noticed has noticed the same thing that I that I noticed in the pre-screener when Rusty teleported over to the Dalek ship, and the in that version they used they used the Star Trek original series transporter sound as sort of a placeholder sound effect, so easily recognizable. But the episode itself, as it, as it aired, um, this this episode was a mix. We have. Uh, the 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 main story itself with with the Dalek with Rusty and everything going on there on that uh, on the medical ship we have the adventure there we have the beginning of the the story with uh, Clara and Danny at least what looks to be the the beginning we see them meeting at Cool Hill School we we have that character introduced but it's just sort of tag tacked on to there to the beginning of the episode it doesn't really go anywhere in the episode itself it's just sort of ancillary. Uh, to the to the to the main story, but the main story itself was it was it was a good story. We have we have this uh, this damaged Dalek, uh, damaged by radiation. And I remember last night I was discussing this with uh, with a friend who doesn't watch Doctor Who, and she was reacting. Does radiation doesn't work that way? <laughs> radiation doesn't do that. But then Daleks, you know, their origins lie with radiation. But then we have that we have this Dalek who turns against their own its its own kind, and we get the uh, the end of the episode here where we get the a, a lot of the voice clips that we had from the 
short trailers leading up to the series. Uh, a lot of those clips came from this episode, the Be My Pal, Am I a Good Man. We have the bit about the, the Dalek saying, I see beauty, divinity, I see hatred. A lot of people thought that was Davros, but nope, it wasn't. It was just Rusty. That yeah, was Rusty. Yep. No Davros in this episode. Didn't want to say anything then, but, you know, here we go. Uh, I don't know. The, the whole thing with Clara and doing her clever thing is kind of growing a bit old. I'm getting a bit tired of that at this point. It's just becoming sort of a cliched thing that that happens with Clara and every story. She goes off and does a clever thing and solves a story. Uh, I don't know. Don't Be that as it may, it's just becoming Clara's thing. But over, uh, we ha- again, we have a, another reference to the what looks to be the series story arc with Missy in heaven. Uh, Gretchen was her name, I, I think. I'd, yep. she, was, she, she was killed and taken to heaven, wherever that is, what, whatever that is, whatever's going on there. I don't know at this point, but um, that's our series story arc, and we had a reference to it in this episode. And the first soldier also. Yes. But yeah, it was it was when she was killed that we saw we saw Missy and had that little short scene. Uh, what exactly? It we had we have we had the doctor promising that he would do something amazing in her name, but what we didn't see the doctor really do anything. Did he forget her? Is this part of the whole darker tone of the doctor that we're going to that he pro- promises these things and just forgets them? You know, early in the episode we had the doctor sacrifice the soldier to to. Uh, Get rid of the uh, antibodies from the Dalek. And for all these, everyone talking about this darker tone of this new Doctor. You know, we have things like that happening. The Doctor sacrificing someone to help their to help them proceed. Well, um, he didn't sacrifice them. He said he was already dead. Uh, in effect. Well, what he meant was there was nothing he could do to help them. True. So he, he he you could argue it was unsympathetic in a way that uh, when he threw him that that power thing thinking and the bloke thought well, that was going to save him he was being not really clear to him on that uh, but he was as he says uh, I wasn't trying to save him I was trying to save us right mm-hmm. but and let's overall... not forget he also he, he still has contempt sort of I think uh, um, um, to humanity even though he loves us uh, well, like in deep breath when he called us all pudding heads. Well, well there was a, pudding brains. Uh, sorry, Mike. There, there was a lovely line as well where where um, when he brings Clara back with him on to to the spaceship and uh, they ask who is she, he says, "No, she's not my assistant. Uh, she's my uh, Clara's carer." And that's right. Uh, she cares, so I don't have to. <laughs> Which I thought was a lovely line. It was. Uh, I don't know. Overall, it was a fun episode. It was just, I don't know, was there anything original in this episode? The idea of a good Dalek. There's a there's a comic book, a comic book, a book story with the tenth, uh, sorry, the eleventh Doctor called the Only Good Dalek. I think was the title of it, and it had the same, almost the same thing, a, a good Dalek that was being held captive uh, to be used against the Daleks. Sort of the same premise. So it was, it was a comic book story being brought into televised too as the premise of an entire story uh i don't know this it, it was a fun episode uh it just on its own it was a fun episode i 
we just have these other story arcs going on with uh, with we have this character Danny introduced we don't know where that's going we have this Missy and Heaven story arc we don't know where that's going but it's 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 Moffat too it's where we have story arcs that's what we're used to we'll just see where that goes I've got a question for you Mike um go ahead the cutscene the scene with uh, Missy and Heaven and stuff like that was that in the pre-screener yes and the script okay Sorry, you can, your audio cut out on me. Oh, sorry. Yeah, they're, 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 yeah, they're both in in the pre-screener and the script. Okay. I was wondering if there was something that was added, like at the last you know minute, you know, so people nope. don't know. Or... No. Okay. Cool. Anything else? Although, although, who knows how many um, 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 drafts the script went through? Um, true. Uh, yeah. Very true. But, uh, yeah, that's all I have to say at this point. Of course, this episode was written by, according to the script, this episode was a Phil Ford script. But uh, as we saw in the titles, it was co-written by by Phil Ford and Moffat, meaning that this is Phil Ford's second script for Doctor Who. And both times, he's had co-writer credits with the showrunner at the time. It could, of course, be the fact that Stephen Moffat did the bookend parts that sort yeah. of bring the continuity of the series, rather than the fact that he had to rewrite a person's, you know, uh, without inferring any lack of quality in the original script, I'm trying to say. Right. It, anybody watch the Doctor Who Extra? Yes. Because apparently, Moffat originally had the idea for shrinking down and going into the Dalek. That might be why Epic. Yeah, according to the Doctor Who Extra, the whole story idea of going into a Dalek was originally going to be one of the adventure games, the PC games that we had for Series 5 and 6, but Moffat saw that idea and thought, nope, I'll have that for an episode. Right. Well, that, again, going back uh, to the classic series, that's not unusual, was it, that the, the actual showrunner would say, uh, would give uh, the person a story outline of, right, this is the storyline, now go away and write the script. Oh, that's happened. I mean, that's it's, it's, not, it's not unusual in any uh, um, um, episodic TV uh, um, uh, thing, to, uh, pro, uh, program, for a producer to say, you know what, um, this is a good script, but I want to add some some lines in it. I want to add a scene in it. Um, um, uh, and uh, I think it's like um, uh, sixty or eighty words, or maybe even more. I forget. I forget the uh, Writers Guild of America's. Um, um, uh, ruling on that, uh, you have to put, um, uh, you know, uh, co-written by whoever and the producer. Right. Okay, um, for that. And another Doctor example is the head writer going, I think we should have this person in, is in the keeper truck, and um, I guess it would be more producer than... John Nathan Turner said, "Oh, by the way, add in the master." Yeah, yeah, uh, 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 that's right, Coble. Uh, um, as I so repetitively 
say in the talking twilight, Dave, the producer is God. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, um, okay, Mike, have you finished your, your 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 things you want to say? Yes, yeah, that's all I have to say for now. Okay. Uh, well, I'll play another clip. We're going to Willis Girl, but uh, she seems to have dropped off audio. Uh, just for those people listening to the recording later, there's a couple of people have had to do drop off with the uh, phone or weather issues at their end. So, um, uh, Jeff, is it okay we'll go to you after playing the next clip? I'm just seeing if Jeff is away. I'll play the clip and just check in text. Nanoscaler engaging in five, four, three, two. Nanoscaler engaging. Nine. Nanoscaler successful. Everyone okay in there? We made it. Nobody popped. The belly of the beast. Amazing. It's huge. Oh, no. We're tiny. So, how big is it, that living park, compared to me and you right now? You see all those cables? Yes. But not all cables. <gasps> I don't know we're here. That's what invited us in. Now, this is the cortex form. Supplementary electronic brain. Memory banks, but... More than that, this is what keeps the Dalek pure. No, the Daleks are pure. Dalek mutants are born hating. This is what stokes the fire, extinguishes even the tiniest glimmer of, of kindness, compassion. Imagine the worst possible thing in the universe and then don't bother because you're looking at it right now. This is evil refined as engineering. Okay, um, uh, Jeff uh, asked me to go someone else, and um, I'm not too sure. Just let is Ken uh, able to talk at the moment? Hi there, bye. Okay, would you go now then, Ken? Please. Why, sure. Okay. Um, oh, uh, Darth Darth's not available. Yeah, but he, he, I'm, I'm hoping that he will want to talk about a little bit about deep oh, breath as well. Okay. So we're trying to sort of give give our listeners some more, you know, body of the actual main show, and then we'll oh, give Darth a chance to do both. I was, was trying to give because I know he wasn't here last week. So I went there earlier last week. I wanted to be kind on that. Okay. All right. Um, we're having a curve this season, um, as if. You don't know what the basic essence of the soul of the doctor is. I'm screaming at the TV when they ask the question, is he a good man? Well, of course. We've seen it a million times. We've had answered a million times that he is the kindest, bravest, best. He's Peter Pan to the universe, you know, um, with different writers. Yes, he has darkness within him. Yes, he has flaws. Yes, there are aspects of him we don't know. But it, but it almost had me screaming when the question is asked to Clara, am I a good man? Maybe it should have been, well, I'm not sure about the man you are, 
but the man I've known is the best, bravest man that could ever be. Um, it was a, it was a very good episode uh, with that. I love the character bits. I think overall, what got to me that opening scene where he's confronted um, by I'm forgetting her name. Um, Journey Blue. Oh, when, Journey, yeah. Journey. When he's confronted by her, and she said, uh, threatening her, don't do that. No, no, don't do that. Beautiful, really getting a sense of the 12th Doctor. Um, I, I, was, I was laughing at that. I, I thought that was wonderful. Yeah, and, the, the, ask me the right way. Yeah, ask so, me the right so, way, and maybe you'll get something. Yeah. You know, be a human being, and may, maybe we can come to terms. Um, interesting that we're having, in a military effort, it's it's a family, and we're we're having a division between our new character introduced, Danny Pink, the teacher at Coal Hill School, and the soldiers here, and this is a thread through the episode. I I loved. I'll, I'll segue to him. Great, great character right off the bat. Loved having his background nicely understated, just with a tear even, him discussing his days in the war effort. Um, I'm guessing Afghanistan. Um, His attempts at flirtation with Clara were great. I I, I love how it, it has him... Uh, beating himself uh, up about how he's reacting to her uh, as they're showing, you know, his his attempts at uh, asking her out on a date, and then her coming in, going, "Oh, you know, yes, you can have a drink with me." I I, I love that. Right off the bat, we're getting into his character, nicely setting him up for whatever the series uh, has in store for the two of them, and for his future in the series. Um, immediately giving a nice bit of backstory on him, and he he seems like a very likable person uh, right off the get-go. Very uh, nice quality to him. The story itself, again, like last episode, we had a reference to um, Girl in the Fireplace. We had a reference to a past episode. This has references to Dalek, Genesis of the Daleks, um, perhaps the whole history of the Daleks themselves. It, it, it worked nicely in that it was an emotional Dalek story rather than one just all over the place. You know, are they going to battle or not? And the concept of having a good Dalek was a wonderful concept. Um, not Not a Dalek that is mutated, but spiritually changed, just in the way that Davros made the Daleks long ago to be this prime fascistic thing of evil and that can ever be unchanging. The doctor here is trying to see if he can make the Daleks remade at their core, spiritually remade, and the potentiality for that and what it brought up in the episode I I thought was wonderful. I didn't think it had a fantastic payoff. It was good at the end. Uh, 
Dalek becoming a self-loathing Dalek. There's a fascinating movie called White Dog, in in which a in, in the South they had a terrible thing, a white dog, which was uh, trained to snarl at someone and attack someone who was black. I mean, this is how their training it is. They got the dog uh, um, to change and basically reprogram it. And then at the end, it, it hated white people. This is this is what happens to the Dalek here. It's a self-loathing Dalek. Um, that was that was interesting. I'm 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 don't know if how it would have changed it at the end to have that tag scene that Mike mentioned. Um, only it would have changed that we had no possibilities with the character. Um, I would give it um, four. Uh, Tardis, um, uh, uh, for this rusties. story. Four rusties. <laughs> yeah, four rusties. Four rusties for this one. Um, mostly for character. Uh, nice pacing. Um, again, better than the first episode on pacing. Um, but I thought maybe they went a little too quick to 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 um um. um um. Uh, yeah. What was, what's the word? Um. Resolution. Of? Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's going to always be our problem. Unfortunately, we always need maybe about five ten minutes, and we we never we never get enough. Right. I mean, I mean, I was hoping for some wonderful epiphany at the end, and no, I I I think the, I came up with the word contrast. Yeah, too much of a contrast from deep breath to this one, but yeah. But the, the the thing is, I thought it would have gone in some maybe other direction. Instead, we basically got a re retrapping of Dalek. Mm-hmm. You know, had we had we not seen Dalek, and that's not not an insult to this, the Dalek saying you're a good Dalek would have been just shocking and amazing and oh my god look what they're saying but we've been through this road before and a bit better and that was done so well in Dalek we got the con- the concept that the doctor has a darkness in him but i i think the whole question of is he a good man this is going to be something i think that's used all through the arc because it's did the doctor uh throw the clockwork man from the roof or did he jump um is the doctor a good man in this or is he not what are this is going to continue um clara's you know there's more of a separation again i would say if she would have asked her about the 11th you know am i a good man she'd give him a hug and go, yes, 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 yes. It's the fellow with the new face. And I think they're doing that as a built-up fane, because by the end of the season, yes, 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 you are a good man. Now, Missy, is she on the side of the angels or the devils? Who can tell? She calls him his bo- her boyfriend, and she seems amiable. She's She's saving wayward souls 
um, it seems. So we, we don't know what connection. Uh, she's uh, saving them up to stack against the doctor. That's the maybe, point. maybe, maybe. But um, yeah, maybe, maybe all, <laughs> all the all the fallen enemies of the doctor, all the all the ones that have died fighting him, or killed perhaps by him, that she'll that she'll use. Yeah, right there. <laughs> but um, very very good episode. Um, again, just great crackling dialogue and and just marvelous character bits, really feeling his doctor and the banter, very different type of banter from what Clara had with the 11th. It, it's reminiscent to me of, um, of Moonlighting. You know, there's a there's a playful snideness now, you know, between them. But four out of five charges groans, very good episode. And I turn it back to you, Master Dave. Okay, thank you. Well, we were going to go with Willisco before, which is now reconnected on a, on a, an ordinary phone. So uh, we'll go back to Willisco if we can. Uh, I know we've still got Jeff, Darth, Kobo, myself and Ian, but we'll hopefully get round those people. So, Willis Girl, we're going to you if we can. Willis Girl? Yeah, sounds good to me. Right. Off you go. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, into the dialogue written by Phil Ford, whom uh, whenever I hear his name, I want to say front of the show uh, for some odd reason. And Stephen Moffat has so far, to me, been the best episode of the season, five out of five. I was originally dreading seeing yet another Dalek story and being let down again. I was pleasantly surprised by this one. Finally, you have a Dalek story that felt original. We haven't seen one, in my opinion, since Rob Sherman's Dalek. The concept of traveling inside of the Dalek was, um, was just felt original and fantastic. Um, I don't think that the Doctor has been miniaturized since Carnival of Monsters. When um, I saw the contraption in this episode that the Army people wanted to shrink him in, I halfway expected him to say, a miniscope, this is outrageous. Sadly, he didn't say it, though. Um, from the word go in this episode, I felt very much that Capaldi was a doctor. Loved his uh, first scenes with the, with the Army woman named Blue. Um, he clearly felt that he was um, very much in charge, more so than she was with the gun. Loved that um, he would not help her back to her ship unless she said the magic word, please. Um, you cannot just order the doctor about. Um, uh, for, for, from this right here, you get the feeling that um, he's a 100% rebel time lord. Also love the line he gave about Clara. She's my care. She gives so I don't have to. I think it just felt like a total yeah. badass. Um, I also liked the introduction of, uh, was it Danny Pink? Uh, he seemed like a real sweetheart, a former Army guy who's a little sensitive about his time in the service. Um, I, I, I just liked him a lot. Um, I wonder what happened to him when he was in the Army. 
and why, why the little tear. Uh, back to the episode itself, I loved everything about it. It was nonstop action from start to finish. Loved the Dalek itself that um, didn't like other Daleks. We learned that it's doing it because of a radiation link, and then the doctor fixes it so that it remains a so-called good Dalek by being a self-loving Dalek. Um, as far as Missy goes, um, I think she is a female-regenerated master. That's just my guess. And that's my review. Sorry it wasn't that long. No, thank you for, for coming back on audio. That was great for you to do so. Um, let me play another clip, and then um, uh, we'll check and see if Kobo is ready to, uh, to go uh, and talk about this episode. People, Daleks need protein. Occasionally they harvest from the victims. This is a feeding tube. There's rocks here. Yeah. Top layer, if you want to say a few words. A man has just died. You will not talk like that. A lot of people have died. Everything in here is dead. Do you know why that's good? There is nothing good about that. Nothing is alive in here, so logically, this is the weakest part of the Daleks' internal security. Nobody guards the dead. Mortuaries and larders. Always the easiest to break out of war. I've lived a life. Tell Uncle to put them in. Ah! A boat hole! You guys out of here. The difficult part is not killing him before he can. Bolt hole. Actually, a hole for a bolt. Does nobody get that? Also, there's the pun. Watch it. Decontamination chips are hot. Rescue one submission control. This is Blue Rescue One report. The Dalek has an internal defense mechanism. We've lost Rost. What kind of defense mechanism? That thing knows you're in there to help it. Yeah, well, who knows? It's a Dalek. We're going to continue the mission. Are you all right back there? It's a bit narrow, isn't it? Any remarks about my hips will not be appreciated. Ah, oh, your hips are fine. You're built like a man. Okay, uh, Jim and Kathleen uh, uh, in text, but um, just speculation, so it's not spoiler. As boyfriend is a mini theme, and whose boyfriend the Doctor is and isn't, maybe Missy is a corrupted segment of Clara. Total speculation. Thanks for that input. Kobo, uh, can you go now? I can go now, yes. Please do. Um, um, I love this episode, and... To start off with, I think the um, you are a good Dalek is more poignant in this episode than it was in Dalek because the nine toxin knew he was damaged from the effects of the time war. I don't think the 12th Doctor sees himself as damaged. So I think it might have stung a little bit more on that level. We as fans go, yes, 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 we've heard that before. But from 
a universal level. I thought, wow, that had to hurt a lot more. Does that make sense? Yeah, because it's like a new man being slapped in the face. A new man being renewed. He wants to think of himself as what he's been as good. And I think that's what the overarching thing is. Well, the question, is he or is he not? He's seeing himself as good. And that hurt, even, like you said, even worse. It's like he's getting slapped in the face. He thinks... I was going to wait on, on this, but um, I, I, I've heard two people now say that, uh, you know, that the doctor would have been a good Dalek, as in a Dalek that uh, does what it's supposed to do. I took it differently. Now, Eccleston uh, in Dalek, that was quite obvious. The Dalek was saying that you would make a good Dalek, as in so, something that kills and goes around and, and you know, does that sort of thing. I took it in this story to be something different, that the Doctor is a good version of a Dalek. Where a Dalek is usually bad, the Doctor is a good version of a Dalek. It puts That's... a little different spin on it. Huh, I didn't see that. I, I felt it meaning that you have the ang- I see the goodness... And, oh, no, but you have the dark aspects. Your hatred of Daleks is equal to the hatred that we have. That's, that's yeah. what I got out of it. Yeah, I thought that. that it, 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 he meant he was equally ruthless to the Daleks. He found that but, 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 he, but he kept it in check. He, he, he was in control of that. Hmm. Um, I, say, exactly. I agree with Jeff. Yeah. Yeah, well, interpretation is exactly what I thought that it, it, it he was was a Dalek who was good, not that he would make a good Dalek. The line, I guess you would make a good Dalek, isn't that a line from um, Dalek? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. you, you would make yeah. a good Dalek. That was that, that's from, from Dalek, Dalek, right? Yeah. Yep. Whereas this is the transposition of this is as I think Jeff has adequately described, you know. He is a Dalek who is good, which is the, the great thing about that line is that, you know, because of the way the English language works, it, it admits of too strong interpretation. My favorite line from the episode was when Clara asked, why not hold your breath? And the doctor goes, what happens if you microwave like, this lasagna with the thing on and she goes it explodes and the doctor says don't be the lasagna <laughs> yeah it's good to a little thing in there as well because last week's episode was called deep breath in this particular story in that thing they were told not to hold the breath there's a breath agenda going on yep yeah. but, anyway back to Kobo I love the way this story works. And we finally get to see a door like from the inside. And I love how the doctor looks small in relation to a, a door like creature that we generally see as tiny. 
Um, and uh, I do wonder if Rusty recognized the doctor right from the get-go because is he still erased from the databases or was the Dalek or were the Daleks breaking, breaking us out so the doctor would actually help him? No, I think it was part of its damage that it hadn't made that connection. And it was obviously a good way of uh, making a teaser for the start of the story, wasn't it? That that when the, the doctor entered the room, the Dal immediately called him doctor. Uh, so that made a, a great you know, break into the, the opening credits. Uh, but I, I think it, 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 that was one of the memories that Clara was restoring. Because don't forget, she, she, she was looking for the memory about uh, the feelings that it had when it'd seen the star born. Uh, and of course, uh, we had a, a really great line, didn't we, there? Um, Resistance is, u- uh, is useless. I wonder where that line came from. <laughs> yep, so, um, uh, tip of the head, big was out of blue. And I. Um, I've only seen the episode once, so I'm not sure how much more I can say other than to give this a very strong four. Okay. Right. Uh, I'm going to move on because uh, we have a little bit of time issue. Uh, Jeff sounds as though he's back on audio, so we'll go to him. Sorry to keep you waiting, Darth, but thank you for jumping in at an appropriate point. We'll go to another clip now. So you saw a star being born, and you learned something. Oh, Dalek, do not be lying to me. Come on. Heading for the Trionic Power Cell, Colonel. Radiation approximately 200 rods. Danger levels. Radiation levels increasing. We're at the heart of the Dalek. that the uh, sonic screwdriver is used as an art welder there, but there you go. Uh, Jeff? Daleks are scary again. They are, they're exterminating. They're killing. Uh, we haven't seen that in a while, so it was good to see that. 
Uh, yeah, you could say they were exterminating in the 50th, but did you really see anybody die? Uh, no, I, at least I don't recall any bodies <laughs> from exterminations. But we do here. Uh, so uh, they are exterminating again. It's good to see that back in the show. They, they, it makes the Daleks scary again. Um, I've only seen the episode once, so uh, I'm not sure how much I can say. But uh, uh, one thing I w will say is, well, here again, we're seeing uh, not so much, I guess, a sacrifice, but the Doctor is putting his pieces on his chessboard where he wants them. Um, he uses the, the the soldier that was going to die as a as a as a pawn, if you will, to to sacrifice him for the for everyone else to get to survive when they're inside the Dalek and attacked by the antibodies. Um, it's almost like a cold doctor that we have here. Uh, he, instead of trying to figure a way of saving everyone. He's willing to sacrifice people. I find that interesting. Um, different take on the doctor. The doctor usually tries to um, rescue everyone or, or save everyone. Um, let's see. That, um, trying to think of what else to say about this episode. Uh, it was well-paced, unlike the last episode. Um, this, this just moved right along. I'm, I'm sorry, Kobo? That just sparked a thought. I wonder if what happened to Eileen really affected the doctor enough to change him during this regeneration to where he no longer tries to save anybody because he realizes in a real way that he can't. No, I just well, think this is. I just think this is an an old, uh, an old. Uh, I mean, remember we, they made a point of saying he's two thousand years old now, and he's in the first. We assume the first generation of a new recycle. We're not entirely sure because of the uh, the day of the doctor how much memory he's taken forward, are we? As well, Jeff. So I, I think he's he's more interested in finding himself than his relationship with Clara, you know. I mean, there's a couple of references to that where he says, I don't pay you, do I? Or uh, I should pay you more. And he, he's obviously not fully recovered either from this generation or whether there was the same as as the war doctor said when, when he left that day. The doctor said, uh, I won't remember any of this, will I? And, um, well, that was a little bit different because of um, being pulled out of time, basically. Right. But by the moment, but even Matt Smith didn't remember about it, though, did he? No, he did, because that was oh, in okay. his timeline. His timeline. All right. Everyone okay. else, the tenth and the War Doctor, were pulled out of their time streams. Well, you could say the twelfth Doctor was, because he he appeared in it, but yet he hadn't yet become. Well, that, that's very true. He he shouldn't remember the events, and neither should. Um, any of the other doctors that were pulled out uh, when they went to save Gallifrey. Right. But he remembered Madsen's phone call. How about that? Again, he remembered Madsen's phone call. That was his immediate regeneration cycle, though, wasn't it? 
Yeah, no one was put out of time for that for the call. Uh, if we may, let's let let Jeff move back on, please, because again, we have got to, still people to chat and speak. Go on, Jeff. Okay. Um, I, I I like the pacing a lot better in this story. It moved quite a bit along. Um, there didn't feel like there were any real dead spots in it. Uh, I wasn't looking at my imaginary watch at my wrist. With this one, it, it it just moved quite along. Um, a lot of action in this story, uh, explosions. Uh, again, I think that helped the story move along pretty well. Um, I, I found it interesting how they went into the dolphin. They went in through the eye stalk. I figured they'd probably go in through the side somewhere, through the um, openings in the plating. I found that interesting. Um, More than one way into a miniscope, you know. <laughs> uh, maybe I missed it and uh, all the action toward the end, but I didn't really see how they came out of the Dalek. Was, was that really shown? I, like I said, I've only seen the episode once. Uh, well, they supposedly hit their, their wristband, weren't they? But they must have actually uh, hit the wristband outside it. Otherwise, they would have, uh, you know, cracked open it. So, exactly. Yeah, no. I, I, I didn't see where they came out. Hmm. And I don't know if anybody else uh, picked up on no, that. They're no, just, it's, they're just, just out. It's just a hard, yeah, it's just a hard cut to them get out. Okay. Um there was one other thing I was going to bring up, and now it just kind of flew out of my head. Um, should have wrote it down. Something that uh, somebody else was talking about, and I, I can't remember now. Maybe I'll remember in a little bit, and you can come back to me. But overall, it was very good. Uh, i probably give it a four out of five. Okay. Right. Um, well, let me uh, just go to another quick clip. Um, we've got uh, we've also got a, a clip from uh, Robert Carey King that we'll try and fit in at the end. Uh, maybe it will be that Ian and myself won't chat much on this call, and we'll uh, we'll we'll talk more on the commentary. Uh, Ian, we're getting some background noise from the phone. I think it's uh, Willis's girl's phone. Uh, star, star six will mute Willis's girl. Thank you. Um, right, let, let me play this clip and um, uh, we'll go to Darth. Tell me the truth. Is he mad or is he right? I've come this far. Probably going to die anyway. But my something to do for the rest of my life. Is he mad or is he right? Hand on my heart. My face is right. One question then. Is this worth it? I can turn one Dalek. I can turn them all. I can save the future. Gretchen, Alison, Carlisle. Do something good and name it after me. I will do something amazing. I promise. Damn well better.
And just thought with that speech, actually, um, if if they are stacking up enemies, uh, that Gretchen may just be a, a doctor's ally with the uh, with the promise that the doctor just made her. Anyway, Darth, um, I don't know how you want to take your time. Um, if you want to spend some time on the deep breath episode before you talk about this one. Oh, I don't know. Um, I, I will only say this: that uh, unfortunately, my uh, experiment in watching the theatrical version of Deep Breath before seeing it um, digitally was a wasted effort because, unfortunately, the particular theater that I was at had a, uh, well, I should say the particular cinema I was at had a theater which didn't, which had and has always had kind of a broken speaker in it. And I was hoping that that was not going to be where they were going to put Doctor Who, but that is where they put Doctor Who. And as a result, the audio was totally muffled throughout. And although the thing looked gorgeous on the big screen, I lost easily 50% of the dialogue and was glad to sort of come home where the episode was uh, close to waiting for me and could then see it in, you know, proper surround sound. And it was, you know, design, as was this episode this week. Um, but I, I will say that the thing that ties these two episodes together is um, that I think quite deft use of theme and, and the stressing of theme over maybe plot. Um, just what a fabulous conceit in the first episode to go for the people, to go for the enemy uh, that they did. You know, First of all, to use um, you know, a returning villain, kind of, but, you know, that that villain was a, a faceless villain or a, or a villain about which um, the, the central conceit was rebuilding the face, superficial appearance, um, and, you know, contrasting that against what was inside the superficial appearance, because that clearly is what's going on with the regeneration and Clara. And I think for me, the great thing about the first episode is that it made time of the doctor a whole lot better for me. I think it explained and underlined to me why it is that um, Clara was so upset in time of the doctor. And I didn't understand at the time because it seemed to me, you know, she, and I'm sure other people have commented on this already, that she was um, the one companion who was, should have been best placed to deal with the regeneration. And in the sense of, you know, more or less shrugging it off like the Brigadier did in Robot. Um, but that she was completely upset in Time of the Doctor that he was going to change his appearance kind of didn't make sense to me at the time. But I think what, what this episode did was to explain why that was and to show, you know, yes, she understood regeneration. Yes, she completely was on board with the fact that this is an ability of a, a Time Lord. It's just that she didn't understand the particularities of this particular um, regeneration experience, that it was about, um, in, on the one hand, losing 
you know, a version of the doctor that she was particularly close to. But on the other hand, you know, that it was Capaldi that he regenerated into, you know, that it, she just fundamentally didn't understand why it was an older face. And and actually, that makes a lot of sense. That is a reasonable reaction in the circumstance, because although she had interaction with, um, you know, the older war doctor, she had no particular reason to know that um, or, or to expect anything other than this was a doctor uh, that, that he had regenerated into the form of the older John Hurt. Um, for all she would have thought is that doctor lasted for a relatively long time in much the same way that Matt Smith's doctor lasted for a relatively long time and aged naturally. And so she was seeing a regeneration at the end of its cycle, or at least close to the end of the cycle. But what she was confronted with in um, Time of the Doctor and I suppose Deep Breath is actually he regenerated old. Why would he do that? And that is a fundamentally confusing thing and something yeah. that actually she wasn't prepared for in any way, shape or form. Um, so I really liked uh, Time of the Doctor, uh, sorry, Deep Breath, for the way in which um, it explained things that I sort of wondered about. Like, I mean, honestly, when in Time of the Doctor, when she replaces the phone, that was a mysterious thing. You know, why was the phone off its hook? And we find out that there's a very good reason that the phone was off its hook. Um, and, and so I, to me, what was weird about that episode was just that I was expecting a very clean break. And, you know, no particular reference to the past at all. But instead, what it was, was a thing that helpfully finished uh, the rather long succession of stories, really from the snowmen forward. Um, and now, I think with this episode into the Dalek moving forward, we really are in to a new era. But that was, it's almost like Deep Breath was the last of the old era in much the same way. Last gasp. Not deep breath. Uh, well, kind of, yeah, actually. Um, but in the same way that, um, you know, Robot was the capstone of an era, in a way. And then after that, it becomes something new again. Um, and, th and that was a surprising thing. But um, it, it's really, the other thing that was great about it was the way in which it basically sort of explored, it put Clara into the narrative position of Ben Jackson, really. Um, we haven't really had a, a regeneration story, or I should say the first story of a Doctor's era, um, in which it was um, the same production team that had, the, that had been there at the end of the previous Doctor's era and that was also going to continue thereafter. The, the only time that really happens um, you know, prior to the J&T era, which in a way doesn't count, um, but the the only time in like the true classic period of Doctor Who, sixties and seventies, um, is Power of the Daleks, right? Because there you've got Ennis Lloyd on the way out, you've got Ennis Lloyd continuing on, and so therefore you have um, your focus becomes on the continuing characters rather than really the the Doctor himself, right? So much of Power of the Daleks is in Polly and Ben's reaction. Now Polly is more accepting, and Ben is more rejecting. And, and the great thing that I saw here was an echo, not only sort of a robot in, in the way that, you know, it's the capstone of a particular era, but also Power of the Daleks in, in that you give Clara this, the, uh, the ability to be, I think, the audience viewpoint again, which I think she really wasn't 
you know, she's the mystery in Series 7. But I think here in, in Series 8, she is, again, asking questions that are reasonable to be asked. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I think, you know, from the little bit of looking around that I've done on the Internet, I think I like it more than most people do. Um, but, I mean, I, w- I would have definitely given that a five out of five because I think it's a very deft handling. The, the whole thing of faces and veils and, you know, what how you appear to people and how you don't appear to people, I mean, it's... It echoes through everything that's in the story, you know, whether you're talking about the relationship of Madame Vastra and Jenny or whether you're talking about the relationship between Doctor and Clara or whether you're talking about the ambition of um, the uh, clockwork droids or – oh, and, 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 and there's just some sparkling, clever – I mean, it's a really continuity-heavy episode. I mean, very surprisingly, for the start of a new era – you got to be on your toes to catch things. And one of the things that just made me fall down laughing was the part of uh, where the, the doctor is confronting the um, leader of the clockwork droids. And he's trying to figure out why he thinks that all this is familiar. And of course he doesn't know uh, what's going on because he never figured out that the, um, the, the spaceship that he was on in girl in the fireplace was called the Madame de Pompadour. So, you know, mm-hmm. when, when he sees the, the inscription that says this is from the Pompadour, he's like, I don't get it. But what's great about that, of course, is that he's carrying around a bouquet of roses, right? And, uh, you know, at the end, he just smells them and throws it away. Nope, not getting it. With, of course, the the clear reference back to Rose. You know, he's just, he is, you know, that was a thousand years ago, according to the lifetime of this character. So, of course, he doesn't remember, even though, you know, Rose is subtly brought up again and then dismissed, which I thought was just incredibly deft handling of continuity. Yeah, that that part was Mary Antoinette, wasn't it? From the Mary Antoinette, the part he picked up. The sister ship. Right, right, but, right. But he wouldn't know that, on. yeah. Yeah, he wouldn't know that because he never saw it, right? He yeah. didn't know that was the name of the ship. Um, and, and you know, no matter, you know, we're screaming it, right, at the at the TV set, obviously. We know it's, uh, it's Girl in the Fireplace, it's Girl in the Fireplace. Of course, look, they just told you Madame de Pop Look, you're holding roses. How do you not know that this is the thing? But of course he doesn't. He wouldn't. And even if he did, it was a thousand years ago. I think we tend to forget, you know, uh, mm-hmm. just how long it has been narratively for the character when for us it's only been eight years, you know. He should, he should have offered him a banana daiquiri, shouldn't he, when he offered him a drink? Kind of. I mean, it would have been fun to keep that going on, you know, all these little hints. Or, you know, there should have been a fire extinguisher somewhere around, but that wouldn't make sense for the period, Victorian period, obviously. But, you know, uh, all these they, – they, they could have continued that joke, and I would have been perfectly fine with it because it was, you know – Excuse trying me, to hit, Dara. Yeah. yeah. Uh, doesn't the doctor mention Marie, uh, sister, uh, Pompadour, uh, sister ship Marie Antoinette, and then he goes, I don't understand it, and he's muttering it to himself. It's like he figures it out without figuring it out. Well, it's like a joke to us, isn't it? The audience, right? It's a joke like, to us because he never, he never actually, he never actually gets it. No matter how much evidence is placed before him and how, how many key things we can see, you know. And even though he mentions on, it, it, he's he's getting it, but he's not getting it. He just doesn't get it. Yeah. Why exactly? The, the only thing that disappoints me about that little sequence is that he does get that it's the 51st century ship. Yeah, I don't know how he, I don't know how he gets that exactly, or and why that doesn't then trigger the technology. Him, but, the technology, I would think. Mm, yeah, that's probably true, I suppose. But you know, it, I mean, it's still a great gag that I think. I wonder how that plays to people who've never have seen Doctor Who, because it it seems like sort of strange thing. Like, why would he pick up the flowers? 
you know, who knows? I mean, he's picking up the flowers in, in order to set up the rose joke, obviously. But if that, if you don't know that, then, uh, you know, would you be on board for all that shenanigans? And, you know, why why go through the, you know, sistership of the pompadour? If you don't know that, what does that matter to you? I, I don't care because I know all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? So for me, it's a great gag. But it, I wonder how that little bit played with, you know, people who were really were starting out with Doctor Who for the first time. But anyway, I, I just thought it was a a fabulously thoughtful introduction uh, to a new Doctor and a, an episode that you know has a few little parallels with, as I said before, Robot and Power of the Daleks, but not really. It, that isn't really beholden to any other story. It is not really similar to much of anything, um, and and for that. I, I was just glad that it was so original. I was totally not uh, expecting the clockwork drawers. And then at the very end of it, you know, there's the treat of one of my very favorite British actors, and that's Michelle Gomez, all of a sudden appearing and being fabulous, being what Michelle Gomez has sort of always been, as you know, far back as I can remember watching her, like in Green Wing or in Bad Education. Uh, she is just so fabulously precise in her pronunciation and the way she holds her body to achieve certain comic effects and you know some people may not like it some people may think it is overly mannered i personally just think it is so fascinating to watch someone be so precise with the, using their body as an instrument you know just hitting exactly the right thing that little dance that she gives at the end where she's i mean just look at the way she's holding the umbrella as she twirls it around in such a precise manner. And then, you know, the steps that she takes around the central fountain, just that is a Michelle Gomez special right there. And that she now appears, as we know, going into this new episode, um, to be a continuing element in the series. That's fabulous. I will say the other thing that was really terrible about the uh, theatrical thing is that the theatrical version gives away the finale. I was so pissed about it because there's a there was some trivia at the beginning totally unavoidable you know the, before you start watching this the episode proper you get this uh trivia that i guess bbc america whipped up or fathom or whoever and you know one of the trivia things is talking about who, who's in the finale and i was like really why would you tell me who's in the finale before i've even seen the first episode it really made no sense to me and kind of made me uh, but that was counterbalanced by the fact that the Strax piece at the very beginning, which I hope one day comes to DVD, uh, in the same way that the, um, the Strax piece for Day of the Doctor has eventually come to, to Blu-ray, at least, um, was hilarious. Strax running through his version of what each version of the Doctor is in order to sort of explain to the audience about regeneration, unbelievably funny. Some of the stuff is just out of the park funny, and probably Strax is better in that pre-show thing than he was in the episode proper. Probably. Uh, but anyway, um, fabulous thing. Great stuff. But it is weird how there is a very, to my mind, a very clean break between Deep Breath and now Into the Dalek. I mean, it's it's almost like... I mean, yes, I know there is a little bit of a continuing element, which was very cool, the thing about the coffee. Um, though it kind of doesn't make any sense because they walked off together. So what did he do? 
run away from her and go run into the TARDIS. She didn't follow him into the TARDIS. She didn't see him slip away to go into the TARDIS. I don't really understand the mechanics of how he just left her in Glasgow exactly, but it's still sort of a funny gag. Um, and, uh, you know, the episode is uh, pretty good. Uh, I'm yeah, not uh, entirely sorry. We, we have a little bit of pressure time. And uh, if you can sum up on that so we can move back on to um, this one, that, that would be great. But I do appreciate I mean, one I've thing that, about, that, Dave, I've been talking about this one for like the last five minutes. I'm talking about Into the Dark. I'm talking about okay. Into the Dark. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying there is a continuing referring back. Um, yeah, yeah, from, there is. From that's Zebra, true. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. Starts off with that, yeah, uh, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you think about it. But anyway, the, uh, the great things that are coming out of this episode. I think the Danny Pink character. I am really happy with that character as being a continuing element because I think it's the first time where there's been a, like a, a true like guy's guy, as it were. In in the episode in the series as sort of maybe a potential companion, we seem to be set up for that kind of thing with um, the the blue character, the journey blue character, journey blue. You know, setting down what appears to be an obstacle for Danny Pink to be involved in this whole universe, and you know that sets up tantalizing possibilities about what it's going to take for Danny Pink to be either on board the TARDIS or at least respected enough by the doctor to not be a narrative problem. But either way, I mean, that's great that we're setting up something that seems like it's dramatically interesting, which is obviously to my mind, what was missing from the Amy and, and the Rory situation where that was never fully baked as a, as an idea. This seems to have several different possibilities already inherent in it. Um, and because we're seeing the meeting from the very beginning between him and Clara, you can move forward and and learn the uh, mechanics of that relationship uh, from the very start instead of um, the, the mess, I think, the convoluted mess that was the, the Amy and Rory situation. Um, the, uh, the Cole Hill stuff is really interesting. A couple of things that sort of disapp- – well, one thing that was really good is as opposed to remember to the Daleks, uh, the interiors here of the school actually plausibly look like they are Cole Hill. Um, Remembrance of the Daleks, the thing it was, you know, there's tons that's wrong with that, obviously. But one of the things that is really wrong about Remembrance of the Daleks is when they go into what is supposedly Cole Hill School, it looks nothing like Cole Hill School as laid out in An Unearthed Child. This, you know, obviously is not exactly the same thing because I think that was a set which would have been struck, you know, 50 years ago. But still, they tried to get a location that looked like it could be Cole Hill School as it would have been modernized over the years. Um, you know, in the sense that it's got the same sort of hallways. And if you really compare, like, you know, the two-minute mark of Unearthly Child with the, whatever it would be, the three-minute mark of this story – you're like, okay, yeah, that does that does look like the same school, or like it could be the same school. Um, the the thing though that disappointed me was they had a perfect opportunity to bring in an, another bit of very subtle continuity, and that is they could have shown the Cole Hill School tie, which of course is important in uh, Web Planet because the Doctor burns Ian's Cole Hill School tie. 
obviously a lot of school ties in this episode, and they just they don't look like the same pattern. Uh, very easy to get the pattern. They could have done it. Why they didn't do it, I don't know. Um, but they didn't, and I immediately saw that. I was like, oh, man. They, they really could have gotten a nice little subtle bit of continuity there for, I'm sure, the exact same cost as uh, the ties that they populated the episode with. But there you go. Um, I, to me, the Coal Hill School stuff is probably the most interesting part of the episode, uh, uh, just because it seems to hold the promise of genuine emotion again. You know, he's got something. He's obviously got a secret that we're going to find out about. Um, she is kind of, you know, going for him, obviously, just really out there for him. Um, so I think to me, that's great that we're going to get that. The, the, what I guess everybody else would say is the substance of the episode, the whole Dalek stuff. Yeah. I mean, that was okay. Uh, again, Daleks, what are you going to do? Uh, not exactly my favorite things. This was sort of a better rendition. I suppose they were scary again. Um, I don't know. Um, they, it's still just Daleks. I'm still not getting what the hell happened to the Paradigm Daleks. Um, and I guess I should just let that go and say that was a production mistake, essentially, that they are clearly trying to get rid of. Um, but I don't, I, I really like the Paradigm Daleks. And so, therefore, to not have them at all, especially when these Daleks were explicitly said to be inferior to the Paradigm Daleks. It bugs me just because it make it isolates victory of the Daleks even more, um, and I I don't know really why they look fine. So to me, I don't I don't I don't get it. But um, I don't know. It, it was it was um, a reasonably good thing. But again, there's sort of the Phil Fordism, which I you know I don't really like Phil Ford at all as a writer, um, and I. It would be interesting to figure out where the bulk of the lines were here because there were some sparkling lines, as Ken has already sort of alluded to. Um, I don't know how much of that is. Most of those sound like Moffat. They don't. Phil Ford just doesn't write dialogue in a great and convincing way, as far as I'm concerned. So a lot of the, especially, you know, the, the doctor's lines. I really wonder how much of that is Phil Ford. The ending is a particular Phil Fordism. All that stuff of. Clara going into the memory bank and what the hell was she really doing sort of climbing up and pushing buttons and how she knew that those buttons were achieving anything. That's all very murky. Um, and it, you know, both the resolution to the, the initial problem, which is, you know, there's a radiation leak. How do we fix it? Oh, look, we'll fix it with a Scarlet screwdriver. Oh, is that, that's it's about great. Well, yeah. <laughs> it, it's great. It's great. Occasionally there's an anticlimax. So, you know, the, Phil Ford or whoever hung, that seems like a Phil Ford line to me uh, that he just hung a lampshade over the difficulty of that. And then this other, you know, the crawling around, I, I don't understand how the memories were triggered and all of that stuff just was, Sort of, you know, all that was just to get you to the point where you've got Capaldi standing in front of the Dalek and having that discussion with him. That's what that is there for. And so, therefore, it doesn't make any sense. It's just, look, get me to the end. And, of course, you know, as with many Phil Ford things, important details are really left behind. Like Jeff was saying, well, how did they get out of the Dalek? Well, okay, we know that you don't have to actually see them getting out of the Dalek because they've said before you press this button and you get you know transported out um, 
But what you do need an explanation for is they were soaked in radiation, in dangerous levels of radiation, and that was never addressed. So what, they come out and all that radiation is gone from them? I mean, that's a major sort of problem that in no way is addressed. And that, that to me, is Bill Ford laziness. I mean, I, I could be wrong. Maybe that's Moffat laziness. But that is the sort of thing that Phil Ford puts in scripts, especially in Sarah Jane Adventures, that always bugged the hell out of me. And it just glared at me and saying, oh, yeah, you just didn't tie up that because you didn't think that was an important thing. But clearly it is. I mean, you can't just... You can't say I've got all this radiation on me and then not talk about that later. That's too big a thing, you know. Especially since we know that the doctor is susceptible to radiation. We know that he has, you know, lost at least one life, well, two lives, right? Due, due to radiation, it is actually threatening to a time lord. It's not just something you can you can shrug off, much less what it does to humans. Um, and in no way is that addressed. It's, just, it's a mess. It's a total mess there. So that's why, for me, the episode kind of falls or, or the Dalek part of the episode falls away as being kind of not so good and is saved by the you know the supporting cast here who's just you know again a, a delight if you like British comedy um Zowie Ashton from um oh good lord I can't believe I just forgot the name of it um from Sherlock oh what's that he was in Sherlock she, no no no, no. Uh, well, that's not what she's really from. Um, gosh, it's just left my mind. Uh, with Jack Whitehall and um, uh, Fresh Meat, um, where she is the, sort of the, one of the central characters in Fresh Meat uh, and just hilarious in that show. And for her to show up again is great. And then, of course, the, the guy who ultimately dies, um, Ben Crompton, who's playing Ross that, you know, the doctor falsely gives hope to. Um he is from Pramface, which is another one of my favorite comedies. And just, you know, them on top of Michelle Gomez is just, you know, this comedy legend sort of in, in Britain. Just what an overload of a great cast. Uh, it's it's only slightly disappointing that the the very end of the script is very is fudged, you know, as to what the hell is going on. Um but I I would in it's it's hard to know what to give this one because I'm tempted to go ahead and give it a five anyway because the lines were enjoyable. It was funny in a lot of places and it was you know setting up something that appears to be good. Um, but I, I guess I really have to be fair and take off a point because the plot is a Phil Ford special. And, uh, you know, I, I have to say, unlike um, Willis Girl, he's no friend to this show, or at least not to my show. Um, so... Uh, I'm glad to be speedily moving on out of Phil Ford territory into something else. Okay. Uh, right. Thanks very much for that, Darth. Um, what I'll do now is I've got well, I've got two 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 clips. Uh, the 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 second of the two I'll leave to Ian to play later, which is the next time one because we like to give a warning before we play that. And we've also got a clip from Robert Carey King that I'm hoping Ian will have time to play. Uh, but I'm just going to play. Um, uh, this last uh, very short clip and then I'll just say a few words and then uh, excuse me but I'll have to bow out at that point Journey Uncle Morgan I have transmitted a retreat signal the Daleks will believe the humans have initiated the ship's self-destruct
about you, Rusty? I must go with them. Of course you must. You have unfinished work, haven't you? Victory is yours, but it does not please you. You looked inside me and you saw hatred. That's not victory. Victory would have been a good Dalek. I am not a good Dalek. You are a good Dalek. Okay, so let me just make a few points. And as Ian has said, um, hopefully uh, when we get the commentary sorted, uh, Ian, Ian, myself and Mike will have some things to add to that. Um, he's, you know, uh, Capaldi and the Scottish accent. Uh, I mean, I know Craig Ferguson's from the same place, but I was hearing Craig Ferguson. In fact, almost to the point, I thought he would have been better calling the Dalek Jeff, not Rusty. Those people who watch the uh, late show might understand what I'm saying about that. Uh, love the, um, uh, the the different references. You know, resistance is you futile, uh, Borg. Although you would imagine it would be the Dal uh, the Cybermen that would use that line. Uh, another line that I, I, I love was seek, locate, destroy, which any Blake Seven fan will remember. And I think it was the actually the title of episode six in the first season of Blake Seven. So. Uh, I enjoyed that. Um, this story I much more enjoyed. I enjoyed it on the first viewing, and it's not often recently I've enjoyed episodes on the first viewing. Uh, I've watched it a second time and basically a third time with doing the clips. I was a little bit worried that because it was so enjoyable to me the first viewing, it may it may not hold up on on uh, further insights. I think this uh, the young lad that's introduced at the school, uh, Pink. I'm wondering whether he's actually from the same time zone as this uh, uh, Dalek war that was going on. Uh, I think Ken said at the beginning that he thought he might have been a soldier from the Afghanistan war. But I'm wondering whether actually, you know, pink and blue are different uh, uh, regiments in in the time. And I don't think we actually got a time for when this uh, battle was going on. Um, But I'm assuming that... um, What's going to happen is there may be a budding romance between Clara and this teacher, and then maybe this lad's going to get taken on a uh, an adventure, and maybe the Doctor will relent and bring the uh, the journey blue on, and maybe they are maybe they're on other sides, maybe they're star star cross lovers from two different opposing armies, uh, or whatever. Maybe that's how they'll go. Um, the the Missy character again. I'm still not sure about that. Uh, there was some talk. I think it was on Podshot last time that um, whether she may actually turn out to be an Eternal. Not this is not anything that this is not a spoiler. But rather than some people have said it might be the Master in some different incarnation, whether it might be an Eternal collecting, you know, like they collect moths, if you remember from. Um, the Peter Davidson's uh, story uh, from way back. Uh, but I really did enjoy it. I thought Capaldi was great. Um, I'm sure there was some difficulty for some people uh, picking up the accent. Indeed, I must admit I had the subtitles on the second time I watched it. Um, it was lovely to see um, Michael Smiley in there, known to me and Ian as Benny Silver from uh, Luther. Um, and there was lots of little in-jokes there. So um, if Ian's okay to just uh, see the show out, I'm just going to make my way over to the live uh, Podshock 
to give Lewis a little bit of a hand. Thank you, everybody who's been here and those that have uh, made their contribution. So, Ian, uh, can I hand the show back over to you? Yeah. Um, who do we have left apart from me and, uh, of course, Robert? Uh, there's, uh, there's you, so I would suggest you play Robert's clip and then have your own, okay. however much time you've got left to yourself and then the, okay. give a warning for the next time trailer. Bye, all. <laughs> Bye-bye, Bye, Dave. Dave. Thanks. All right. Well, uh, yeah, as uh, Dave said, we've got a, a, a review clip here from uh, Robert Kerry King, and here it is. It's about uh, six minutes, 15 seconds long. And it's not going to play. <laughs> uh, Dave, you didn't check the sound clip. <clears throat> So um, I'll try and work on that uh, uh, at some point, and we'll try and get that into the show. Maybe it'll appear on the commentary. Anyway, my bit. Um, uh, just following up what Dave said there about Michael Smiley. Great to hear a Belfast accent in Doctor Who. Hey. Uh, <laughs> it's like listening to my relatives. Um, I actually really like this episode. Uh, I got done watching it and kind of wanted to watch it again. Part of that was because there were some things that... Um, that were said that that I didn't quite catch and still didn't catch. Like Dave, I think, uh, I don't know whether it's the accent getting in the way or just some very fast talk. Um, it was very, um, very nicely kind of cut together. Um, we didn't have a lot of hanging around time. Everything was kind of boom, 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 boom. Um, quite nicely done the opening where we had... Uh, yeah, the, the nice action sequence at the beginning, the, the, you know, the Daleks actually chasing a, a ship through space. That was really cool. Something that we don't really get to see an awful lot of. Some some Dalek action going on. Um, and not, you know, big battle sequences like we, we saw in Dalek Doctor, but, you know, um, a nice kind of little battle going on. Um, loved the opening with, with Peter Capaldi. Just, just loved his kind of taken it in this kind of very standoffish kind of doctor like no 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 <laughs> you've got to say please basically um that that bit i i i, I giggled a lot at still not really digging the opening title sequence so much um the theme is growing on me um it'll get there by the time it's still not one of my favorites um you know my favorites are still like from the the russell t davies era and and also actually I was a big fan of of, of uh, Matt Smith's final season. Um, like that music and the the, um, the visuals a lot better. Um, this one just isn't is much my favorite. Still like it though. Um, yeah, as I said, the story was uh, clipped along nicely. Um, wanted to watch it again when I was done, um, which hasn't happened an awful lot in the last couple of years, um, but. Yeah, I was, you know, um, really kind of, I really enjoyed it. There were some nice moments in there. Uh, did like the, the ending, of course, with uh, uh, You Are a Good Dalek. Very kind of, you know, can be taken a, a, a couple of ways. You know, you're you're a good Dalek or you're a good Dalek or, you know. Um, and I, I don't know, there's something about when Rusty goes off down the hallway and then stops and looks back. I don't know what it is about it, but I like it. Um, there was just something about that little scene that just kind of, you know, appealed to me. Um, let's see. Uh, I thought the Dalek was a little empty inside. 
I don't know. Uh, they just kind of like, tend to be looking at it a lot of this empty space uh, in between where the, the the creature was and and you know and the rest of it. So uh, I don't know how much thought they they put into like the the the, the, the technical workings of the Dalek. But it seems like there's a lot of awfully big space in there that seems to be wasted um, in between the head and and, and the base. Um, you know. I expected to see some knees in there at least. But um sorry. Had to spin. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> um but yeah, it was it was it was good. It was um and some good some good Dalek battle scenes, which we don't get to see a lot of we haven't seen a really good kind of Dalek fight. And I mean by a good Dalek fight, I mean it wasn't all one sided, it wasn't the Daleks going in there and blowing the the, the snot out of everybody. They put up these guys put up a good fight. A good Dalek like that in a long time. Um, kind of reminded me of um, oh, uh, Davison's last Dalek story. Uh, what Davison's Dalek story? Uh, only Doctor Who fans. Nobody can help me. Uh, <laughs> Res- resurrection. Resurrection. You know, there was there was you know them boarding the ship. That was you know it seemed to be. To me, to be a lot like that, you know. Here they are, you know, they're getting ready for the docks to board and everything, and and it was really quite exciting, and it, and it kept the action moving. And then we cut back to inside, and you could hear the the noises outside, which, you know, I've seen all sorts of different ones where people get shrunk, and sometimes the noises sound like really slowed down, sometimes it sounds, like, yeah, but who knows what it's supposed to sound like when you're shrunk down. Uh, the shrinking effect was all right. It was a bit. You know, on the cheap side, I think, you know, they just sped up a bit with things going back and forth, um, and it looked like it. It didn't look like it was, you know, moving fast. It just looked like the film had been sped up. And but, you know, I, I, there's one thing that I really liked, and it seemed kind of very old Doctor Who, where you don't have a good effect for something, so you do this bit where they're moving slowly through this film effect. Uh, you know, they're moving through the the the, the you know the opening of the eye stalk, you know, through this almost like fluid barrier. Um, it just seemed very kind of old fashioned to me, and I kind of liked it. Um, like you know, rather than them just coming, getting you know, getting it, opening a door and walking in, you know, which you could have easily done. They did this kind of like you know the blue kind of effect as they're you know slowly moving through and into the. The Ice Talk, which I was totally right about when I heard the title was Into the Dalek, and I'd seen that shot in the trailer. Um, I'm like, it's the Ice Talk. They're walking through the Ice Talk. So, yes, I was right. Um, I'm really digging this Doctor. I'm really kind of digging the kind of... Um, I'm still the Doctor. I'm still doing good stuff, but um, I'm not quite so cut and dried about, you know, whether I'm good, bad, or otherwise. Um, and And it's nice that he's not quite sure. Because the Doctor has done some awful things in his time, and you know he's done some fantastic things in his time. It's like, but but for what reason, you know? And and so this this self doubt uh, kind it of puts the mystery back into it. Yeah, it does. It's like, you know, why am I really doing this? You know, am I a good person? Am I am I just going into this Dalek for my own self interest and to prove myself right that there is no such thing as a good Dalek, or am I doing this because I want there to be a good Dalek, you know, what was, what was, you know, 
so it, it's nice seeing this kind of doubt and um, an indecision. Uh, let me just quick unmute uh, Willis Girl and, and um, Kobo there. Uh, sorry about that. No, I muted you earlier for some background noise, but uh, I'm muted now because we're coming towards the close of the show and I'm going to go around and get everybody's ratings and everything when I'm done blabbing. Um, but yeah, uh, great episode. I think light on story, really, when you think about it. It's like we get in the Dalek, we go down, we close up a hole, Dalek turns bad, go upstairs, hit a few buttons, Dalek turns good. Um, but it doesn't really tend to matter because it moves along in a nice club. There's plenty of action and there's some nice good lines. This banter about uh, <laughs> and, and, and the doctor's kind of refusal to uh, refusing to, to uh, acknowledge um, that Clara is attractive in any way, shape or form or good looking um, kind of blends in with you know, leads into the the whole thing about how he thought of her as his girlfriend before, and now he's trying to almost distance himself by saying, "Well, you're not all that. Uh, well, you, you're built like a, you're built like a man, you know." It, it really does seem to be, um, you know, that kind of thing. I don't know if that's what he's actually doing, but that's what it seems to be. You know, it's like you know, when, when somebody finds out you're going to crush on somebody. Oh no, well she's not that nice. You seen that mole on her face? Oh, we should get that fixed. Oh, yeah, I really hate girls with blue eyes, you know. Um, but the the banter itself was 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 really funny, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, well at least you at least you're putting you're putting an effort in. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, Danny Pink. Um, I don't know. I've seen you know numerous people saying that they they like him or you know, and that's a truck driving by. Um, either like him or they don't like him or I, I found that some of the stuff was a little quick. Uh, I prefer, you know, if if we're going to see a lot of them, let's have some slower development. We just seem to get a lot of information about Danny Pink all in one go. And, you know, this, everybody thinks he's a ladies' man, which he doesn't appear to be, um, even though he's good looking, but they didn't seem to go to great odds to, you know, great lengths to Established that Danny Pink is a ladies' man. Danny Pink is is gorgeous. Everyone's gonna love him. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Sorry about the background noise. Um, so yeah, uh, you'll hear more from me, of course, during the collective uh, Quantum Collective commentary, um, which we'll uh, hopefully have out on the feeds either late tonight or early tomorrow. Um, but before we get out of here, I'm going to go around see if anybody's got any final comments and uh, and uh, what your ratings are, uh, if you haven't already given them or if you want to give them again. And uh, for those of you who are still hanging out in the text chat, if you want to put in your rating, please feel free to do so, and I'll catch that as we go around. All right, uh, Mike, any final thoughts? There's a nice moment early in the episode when uh, the Doctor and Clara are heading, heading into the TARDIS the doctor kicks open the TARDIS door. <laughs> That's just a quick thing if you notice it, but it's a nice little touch that Capaldi puts there, kicking open the TARDIS door. I Overall, I would... Like to watch it again. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's right when they're in the corridor and they're heading back into the doctor's carrying the cups of coffee. He kicks open the door. Uh, but overall, I'd give this episode a four out of five. Alrighty. Thank you very much. Jeff, he's still there. Yes, I am. 
And uh, let me say that uh, I'm surprised that Mike's giving a Moffat-era story such a high rating. <laughs> written by the Moth. <laughs> but I, I do remember what I was going to mention before and uh, had forgotten to mention. It, and that has to do with uh, Rusty not knowing who the Doctor was. Uh, we have a nice parallel there with um, the third Doctor with his first Dalek story. The Daleks didn't recognize him as the Doctor, and neither does Rusty in this story. So that was a nice kind of parallel. I, did, um, I, did, I don't know if I, I quite understood that because in um, in the last story uh, of Matt Smith's era, uh, the Daleks knew who he was. Right. So now, right, they, but, now they don't. I'm I'm, but, I'm not quite sure if I understand well, it. You know, they've never seen the twelfth Doctor before. True. 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 And they'd never seen the third Doctor in uh, what was it, Day of the Do- uh, Day of the Daleks? Okay, gotcha, 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 gotcha. So nice parallel there. Um, mm. But I, I'll give my rating again a four out of five. Okay, thank you very much, sir. Ken, 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 Ken. Yes, um, I I'll bump it to four and a half out of five. Uh, just thinking again the enjoyment I had of it. The in the in the trenches Dalek action was was great. The dialogue and I I I, I would rack it up to Moffat for this was I think some of his best and good good character dialogue. Like Danny Pink's character, I I thought it was the aspect of him being a ladies' man that was schoolroom office gossip, and it was played that way. Um, the lone tear uh, gave a nice bit of sensitivity um, without without them having to have pages and pages of dialogue. There was a nice subtlety to that. Um, just great opening to what promises to be some aspect of relationship. I, I enjoyed the doctor um, not taking the soldier on and being judgmental, and that working into Clara's being non-judgmental with her choice of him saying, well, I'm a soldier, does that bother you? She goes, not at all. So it's it's her almost being a <laughs> more open heart where the doctor's being closed. And again, it's that overarching thing of, well, this might be the same doctor, but he's new, and what kind of man is he? And I think that's going to be an overarching theme of the whole season. I really like Missy. I'm not familiar with the actress. I really like that opening scene. As Darth was saying, that the movement with the umbrella and her going around, it, 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 to me, again, it evoked something out of the Avengers. There was this wonderful preciseness, kind of Willy Wonka quality. Just out of a small scene, she just captures the eye and... Uh, that's really the mark of a good actress. But all in all, really haven't seen the horror of the Daleks like this for a while, the, the feeling of fear. And it was worth it enough for Capaldi's dialogue and the way he played it in this. So he's he's um, he's finding his form as the Doctor, and I'm looking forward to what comes next. Excellent. Thank you. And um, while... Well, uh... Uh, you guys have been talking. I've had time to uh, tweak uh, Robert's 
audio. So let's see if I can have one more shot at this to see if it works. Uh, like I said before, Robert Kerry King, uh, here's his views on a review for Into the Dalek. Hi, this is Robert Kerry King 99 of Doctor Who Review Today and one of the moderators of Talking Twilight Zone. Leaving feedback for the Cult of Collective. And um, before I talk about Into the Dalek episode, I wanted to briefly talk about um, last week's Deep Breath and say I do really enjoy Peter Capaldi as the new Doctor. Um, I notice when I'm watching, and I'm not going to go into a bunch of details because you know the 50,000 podcasts already have. One thing I did notice that um, is the reflections of the fourth Doctor in the bedroom scene and talking about why is there only a bed in one room to sleep in. You notice the tone of the fourth Doctor when um, he was talking to Madame Bastra. When I was watching this episode, it very much reminded me of three different things. The first one is The Girl in the Fireplace, which you could say this is probably a sequel or a connection with. At the restaurant, and the booth goes down the elevator. It sort of reminded me of a series called Wild Wild West, if you remember that one, and the confrontations that James West always had with um, Dr. Loveless. Um, very much reminded me of that. And also, um, towards the end, with the Missy character, um, very much the Crimson Horror, um, a little bit of that as well, which I noticed that will probably be the a mix-up, so to say. My question is, is Moffat taking ideas during past Doctor Who's um, when Russell T. Davies was um, running the series and trying to make them better or try to improve on them? Is that why we are getting the co-writership with some of the other writers in this series? This is clearly a repeat of Dalek um, from series one with the Chris Reckleston doctor. Almost kind of the doctor having unfinished business in this one. You know, can we have a good Dalek or Dalek, so to say? It starts out like that. The only thing missing is Rose touching the pepper pot and activating it into having a change of heart. Uh, we get the same thing with this one. We have a broken one, and the doctor and Clara and a couple of soldiers goes in and tries to fix it. But then it turns out that evil is evil. It can be turned either one way or the other, and I think the doctor thought that he could try to help this creature, but instead turn the hatred from one to the other. I think the doctor didn't realize that the the hatred was in him. And so he imprinted that 
unto the creature and so instead of hating his um you know the human race hating his own kind also Darth might bring this up um we get a little bit of the beast below thrown in um uh, with the scene of them going down the so-called creature's stomach so to say and we get the thing about what one creature can do as we did in the first series and also we get um the invisible enemy thrown in as well except for we don't have no virus shrimp in this one the music has been pretty good the special effects have been great um it would have been nice that during the mineralization scene that um, the doctor would have mentioned, it reminds me of a miniscope from my past. It would have been great if that line would have been thrown in. Also, the color grading is looking good as well. Um, the beginning opening music is kind of a throwback to the 80s um, Sylvester McCoy era type music as well. And in a sense, I was kind of disappointed. I kind of see where they're trying to go with the Doctor here. They're trying to do like they did back in the early days. I think Moffat feels that he can insert more of Classic Who into the new series that now that uh, we experienced 10 years of the new series, um, that I think we're going to go back into the past with this one and also try to rework um, what they did with Colin Baker and make him kind of hard-edged, gruffy, you know, doctor and try to mill him out. But the problem is, will Muffet have the time to do this? That's the only problem. So I'm just not crazy about this episode. And I don't think it's going to be Capaldi, you know, Peter Capaldi. I think he's going to be a great doctor. I really do enjoy him. I think it's going to be the stories this season that's going to be the rough part. So um, my uh, rating is a 2.5 out of 5 um, blue boxes for this episode. I just want you all to know I the show into it, um, every week when I'm working, and I enjoy everybody's um, comments and opinions. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you later. Goodbye, everybody. Oh, and by the way, um, don't stop believing. Remember, we have a character in this episode called Journey. Bye, everybody. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Uh, thanks for that, Robert. And sorry if the uh, audio cut out during this, folks. Um, I don't know whether I've got a storm coming in or what, but uh, yeah, apparently the audio cut out a couple of times during that. Looks like we lost Ian again. Uh, I think he was going to. Oh, there he is. You back? Yeah, your audio was getting a little wobbly there for a few seconds before you cut out again. Ian, are you there? I hear you, Jeff. Yeah, I can hear you as well, Ken.
I hear both of you. I just don't hear Ian. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, there, there, there he is again. Oh, we lost okay. you before. Okay, I just lost. I was trying to unmute somebody, and then it went out. So I don't know. I don't know who I lost. Whether it was Willis Girl, or whether it was um, Kobo. But oh, we're glad you're back there. in. No, oh, now I can't hear anybody. <laughs> can you can you hear me in? We're talking now. We can hear you now. Perfect end to a perfect show. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Ah <laughs> oh, dear. Oh dear. All right. Um. By the way, I didn't hear anything from Darth. Cobra uh, Willis girl, if you're still here, uh, you're. Um, any any final comments? Um, if you can hear me. Yes, I can hear you. Oh, great! Um, <laughs> I give it a five out of five. For me, this will rank in my top five favorite Dalek stories overall. Alrighty, thank you. Um, and I don't know if anybody in the text chat who's still paying attention, or if they can even hear me, um, they want to put their rating in, like Cybob. I don't know if you put one in earlier or not. Uh, my rating, actually, uh, I'm going to give it a four and a half out of five. Uh, like I said, you know, a little light on story, but I don't know, I'm big on action, and so it was uh, it was a good good episode for me. But uh, yeah, before before I close out the show, uh, hopefully I'll get some get something from Cyborg in a second. Um, after the closing credits, uh, we're going to play the next time trailer. Four and a half out of five from Cyborg. Excellent. Um, I'm going to be playing the uh, next time trailer, so if you have not seen it or heard it, uh, you may want to uh, ring off at that point or uh, stop the podcast if you're listening to this later uh, before the uh, end credits play out. Uh, Not that that we don't want you to keep listening, but if you want to stay uh, spoiler-free, then that's the way to do it. Alrighty, um, I'm going to use Mike here because Mike's still here. If I can find the uh, sound clips to close out the show before my audio goes completely. Um, yeah, um, thank you for joining us. Join us next week when we'll be talking all over the top of the next episode. Well, not talking all over the top of, that's the commentary thing. We'll be talking all about the next episode of Doctor Who. So uh, hopefully you will join us then, and hopefully the audio will be much better. But until then, it's goodbye from Mr. Randall Thor. And it's goodbye from the Sixth Doctor. Goodbye, everybody. There is someone that I always wanted to meet. It's Robin Hood. No damsels in distress! Seize him! No, pretty castle. No such thing as Robin Hood. This episode is made possible by PwC. It's getting hot out here. Moving the mercury can help move your business. PwC helps turn sustainability theory into real-world action. 
Reduce your carbon footprint while increasing transparency in net zero commitments. Start with reporting to identify your climate risks and reinvent your business. Create a more sustainable business and a stronger planet. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com.